0: Welcome to the Narfum Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig.
1: Welcome to another episode of the NARPM Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have A.J. Shepard, the co-owner and co-founder of Uptown Properties in Portland, Oregon. Uptown's been in business since 2010. A.J.'s RMP, MPM, and he's the current RVP of the Pacific Division for NARPM, and was the recipient of the Daryl Kazin Scholarship. So A.J. is all about NARPM, so we're going to have a get to hear a lot about, about A.J., AJ and his brother Chris are hosts of the Westside Investors Network podcast, or the Win Podcast. So, if you're looking for another podcast, that's another one that uh, that I recommend. They bring knowledge and education to real estate professionals seeking to gain more freedom in their life. And I'm going to talk to AJ a lot about syndication, and then also he's going to give you some nuggets on how to attract investors. I know we're all looking for investors and, and managing properties for them. So we're we'll gonna talk a little bit about that and we'll talk a little bit about, about syndicating and how to how to set that up. But before we meet with with our buddy AJ, I want to talk about our hot topic, our hot topic of the day. And so since I had AJ on and AJ is really focusing on the investor side of things, I wanted to talk a little bit about why do most realtors and property managers not own any real estate. I find it really fascinating when I talk to people who are either property managers or own property management firms or are realtors and they, they don't own any real estate. And I look at it like, man, like we're, you guys are missing opportunity. It's so I was thinking about it. Like why should we buy real estate? Right? Well, for one I mean, not not just for the main reasons that people buy real estate, right? For the appreciation, the depreciation, the, the cash flow, the you know, you know, the principal pay down. So there's you know, there's four or five main reasons to buy real estate, and of course, well, you know, real estate is the number one wealth building strategy that most people use. But for for property managers and realtors, it's even easier for us, or better for us, or more efficient, if you will. Like, for one, we get pocket listings. How many times have you had an investor of yours reach out to you and say, hey, I'm thinking about selling property ABC, and, you know, can you help me sell this, right? Obviously, if you're a realtor, you're going to find, you're going to get people that want to sell their houses. And as a property manager, uh, if you run your business correctly, you should get a lot of your investors or a lot of your clients that come to you to sell their property, right? And so what this is literally a pocket listing, like you have a pocket listing, right? The other thing is, if you especially if you're a property manager, you know, the history of this property, right? You know, all the maintenance, you know, what has to be done, what hasn't been done, does it lease quickly, does it not lease quickly. And when most people want to sell, before you put it on MLS or out there on Zillow, you can negotiate a deal right then and there. And typically, you can negotiate a better deal than if you were competing with thousands of other investors. And I feel like the reason why many of us do not own property is maybe we focus on the wrong things, right? So like, maybe we focus on, hey, I need the money right now. So if I can get the listing and sell it, I can get 6%, 5% or whatever, I can get some chunk money. And that will help me get through the next month or two. Or you let, especially on the property management side, you let the 5% of your problem properties mess with your mindset. Well, I'm, I mean, it's hard to manage properties. So why would I buy a property if, uh, if it's hard? Because I know how hard it is to manage this property. So why would I buy a property? And so you're not truly believing in the product of real estate. You're, you're saying, do as I say, not as I do, right? Because how many of us are sitting here talking to potential clients uh, or, about the benefits of real estate and then you don't own any real estate? you sell the dream, you just don't believe in the dream. Right. And so, you know, you need to start looking at how you're going to build wealth beyond your job as a property manager, or even as the owner of a property management firm. I can tell you personally, the last six properties I purchased was from when I owned Empire. And so we had clients all the time. And early on when I started Empire, and I started the property management firm, I will be honest, I was one of those guys that was no longer buying properties. I had owned properties because I came from the investor side, but for the first you know, five or six years that I owned Empire, I was quote unquote too busy to buy real estate, trying to build the property management firm. And if, you, if this is you, you need to put that on pause. Like I'll, I'll say, do as I say, not as I, as I do. Do not, make that, do not make that excuse. Do not make that mistake. That you're too busy to buy real estate. You have the property management firm to manage the property. You have the team in play. Now, maybe everything's not going according to the plan that you exactly want, but you're really not too busy to buy real estate, to, to buy these assets that are going to create wealth for you in the future. I can tell you personally, like I said, I bought six, the last six properties that I purchased were quote unquote pocket listings. They were investors looking to dump their properties or, or sell their properties i negotiated a better deal than if i would have put it on the market but why would they sell it to me for a little bit less than to get on the market because it's a done deal they know i was a good buyer and they knew it was a done it was a done deal so speed at which they can sell they didn't have to get the property you know listed and take photos and spend any money on the property it was just simple you had they, if they had a resident i take the resident over if they didn't have the resident i buy it so it really was, you're the easy button for them. And for us, it's no problem. If we have the resident, who cares, right? A lot of times people won't buy the house if there's a resident in there because they want to move in that property or they want to live in that property. So it's much easier for an investor to sell us a property with a with a resident in there or if it needs a make ready, fine. We know how to do that. We can knock that out. So do me a favor. If you are listening to this and you do not own any property and you know, some investors reach out to you and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about selling some properties. Start looking into buying property for yourself and for your family to start building that wealth. We'll be right back after these messages. We're going to talk to AJ Shepherd. He's going to teach, you, teach us how to attract investors, how to work with them, and most importantly, how do syndications work and how to build it up. Talk to you soon.
2: Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today.
3: Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, YourRIS.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S dot Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance.
1: All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the NARPM podcast or NARPM radio show. And I have me RVP extraordinaire, AJ Shepard out of Portland. AJ, thanks so much for being here today, buddy.
3: Thanks for having me on the show.
1: So, AJ, I know the last time I saw you speak was at a a non-NARPM event and you were talking about syndication. But let's talk a little bit more before we talk about that, because I think that's a really interesting topic that a lot of people want to know about. Tell me about your journey. So, you started a property management firm, and you really wanted to work with a lot of investors. So, how did you get into the property management deal? And, and just kind of talk, t- take us through that journey.
3: Sure. I mean, it really starts out with my dad. He was in real estate, so we kind of had some upbringing in, in real estate. My brother and I started purchasing properties, fixing them up, refinancing them, and then moving it into uh, another property. I mean, if you're familiar with Bigger Pockets, it's the Burr method. So we, we, we acquired uh, several properties uh, enough that we were like, oh man, you know we probably could use some extra income. So we started the property management company, and then also along with that, our construction company. And all along the while, we kept buying properties, bought multiple properties every year. And that's one of the ways that we add to our property management portfolios by, by purchasing properties.
1: So, so you came in from the investor side versus the real estate side. On, yeah. on this. So you talked about a little bit about bigger pockets. So so can you tell us a little bit about what Bigger Pockets is and is there any value of a property manager to be part of Bigger Pockets?
3: Oh, absolutely. Bigger Pockets is a social network for real estate investors and real estate professionals. Getting on there and answering questions in the forums of real estate investors that maybe don't have a lot of experience will kind of give you rapport as a person and a brand. So being active on there is super beneficial. I actually find a lot of investors from uh bigger pockets and we've found property management clients and it's just a, a good network to continue to do, but you know, it takes time answering questions. You know, you kind of get the same ones over and over again, and it's just about being consistent. So figuring out a process to to really be consistent with it. Typically I have a remote professional scour the forums and pick a question and answer it, and then I approve the message and then have them do it for me. So that helps out a lot. Ah,
1: nice. A little, a little uh, look behind the curtain there. I like right. that. But yeah, I mean, think about it, right? You're a property management firm. What's our target client? Uh, a num- one of our number one target clients is investors. Investors live in, in bigger pockets. And, you know, answering questions be- makes you the, the authority figure. And so, yeah, there's a lot of potential clients there to uh, fish in that pond. So, big fan of that. So, tell me, uh, AJ, what are some of the things that like, that you've done to attract investors like how does how does uptown your property manager firm there in portland attract investors what are some of the things that you're doing to find investors to you know to manage their properties
3: yeah i mean there's there's a lot of different marketing aspects right google ads for one making sure that we have lots of good reviews one of the things that we learned is crm which is a customer review management system um, that's helped out. If you see, ever see my signature there's like a thumbs up, thumbs down. I think it's grade.us and it really helps with if you get a bad review, it comes in internally as opposed to out in public. So definitely managing the the reviews and getting up on the top of Google helps with the organic search. you know introducing ourselves, we've done local like marketing like a LaTip or a BNI you know, participating in community events, there's, there's a plethora of ways. And it's not that one is like the best, but they, they all work a little bit and it all builds on it on itself too. Like the more, the more that you can figure out how to do the the better off that you're going to be, and granted there's only 24 hours in a day. So figuring out a process to have that delegated so that somebody does it for you is going to be the best.
1: Did you create an investor club or, or like start doing some investor workshops in your, in your area before you started doing a syndication? Yeah.
3: Yeah. So my brother and I run a podcast. It's called the West Side Investors Network. You know, we're located on the West Coast. We are also located on the West side of Portland. And so we provide education to investors on syndication through that podcast. We did at one time have like a meetup where we were doing it monthly. We've discontinued that, but that was another way to meet like local investors. Typically like there'll be other Northwest Real Estate Investors Association or RIA is another great way to find local investors in your market. We've attended those events. There's another one that's local here that probably isn't everywhere. It's called Investor Lab. I know the guy that runs that. We're pretty good friends, which is... Fun. But yeah, running a group and providing education is another great marketing tactic to bring, you know, people into the fold and into your brand.
1: Yeah, my, my feeling is anytime you can be the, the guy with the microphone or on top on the stage, you are the expert, right? You, you people yeah. come to you. So I, I think you you and your brother have done an amazing job. I know your podcast is is, you know, what you know, we'll talk a little bit about that. But I know a lot of people listen to that. Right. And I like the fact that it's area specific. I got a good buddy of mine, uh, Mark Ainley, he does one for Chicago. And like he is like, if you're going to invest in Chicago, like he's the guy now. He's become yeah, that guy. Yeah, you got to listen
3: to him because he's the expert,
1: right? He's the expert. So I, I believe if there's anything you can do in your, in your market to make you the expert, you're going to attract investors. And yeah, there's going to be a bunch that just use your knowledge and then they go do their own thing. But there's going to be a bunch that use your knowledge and then hire you, right? They either hire you to help them find a, a place or they hire you to manage the, to, to manage the
3: place. So, yeah. And I think a lot of people have like this kind of daunting, like, oh, starting a podcast, that's so hard and like all this sort of stuff. And yeah, you know, the first couple episodes, it's going to be tough. You're going to stumble your way through, but you know, or two years later, if
1: you're doing a norm podcast, you stumble your way through, but you know,
3: (laughs) (laughs) something like that. Right. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to set up, but you know, I, I come back to like systems and processes, right? Like the more that you can create a system and a process, like Our podcast, my brother and I literally just show up for the meeting. Otherwise, we've got it systematized where we've got, you know, another remote professional helping us do all of it, uh, including all the social media sharing, you know, getting the guest speakers set up. Sort of stuff. And all yeah, you like the you
1: like the Doctor Oz of property management, right? Doctor Oz, you know, he's famously in, in in one of his books, he talks about like when he does surgery, he goes in, everything is done, he just goes, does the surgery, and he leaves. When he does a show, yeah. he goes there, everything is done, he just goes, does the show, and and, and he's gone. And so you're yeah, talking about I mean, streamlining, like
3: that sort of concept, kind of what was that? I, I guess the like systems and processes concepts like, just spreads over the your entire company. Yeah, um, you know, figuring out how to. I, I'm very much like, how can I delegate this? Or how can I set it up so that someone else can do it? And yeah, it's a lot of work upfront, but in the end, if you can set it up so that someone else can do it, you can free up your time and then uh, come talk on NARPUM radio. I think the,
1: the main thing here though, is you can become the expert in your market just by, you know, creating a podcast or creating some video content and putting the YouTube channel. Like, you know, really, really give a lot of information. Uh, too many of us want to just promote ourselves, and it's not about promoting, right? It's about educating. And if you can educate, then you will get the business. There was one guy, and he's gonna kill me because I forgot his name. I think he was out in California. You know what he actually did, AJ? He actually did a he did a class on how to manage properties for yeah. like for the for investors that was self managing, yeah. and. I'm like, well, why would you do that? You're teaching them how to manage, and he's like, well, Pete, here's what happens, right? I get 10, 15 people to show up to the class. It's a couple hundred bucks. It's not. That's not the money maker, because by the end of the class, he goes, I get five of them to tell me they want me to manage their properties.
3: Well, they, they come and learn how much work it is. And they're like, man, I don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> I got to learn about what? I got to yeah. do this. I got to do that. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. So if you're listening to this, that's another way. Like just literally create a, a course and then go to your local real estate investment clubs and promote the course on how to how to manage your property or, or connect with those real estate groups and, and offer to give them the course for free and teach the course. And then you become the expert in front of a bunch of investors. So just, just another way. So let's, let's kind of fast forward this thing. I, I was just amazed at this whole syndication thing I've done this really, really small and I bought some apartment complexes, but nice. tell us what made you come to, to, to build a syndication. How'd you do it? And, you know, I know you offer a class on it, so I'd love you to plug that as well, but but talk a little bit about what syndication is and then kind of step through on, on how you ended up building this, 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 Sure. So,
3: for those of you that aren't familiar with syndication, we essentially put together a company to pool investors' money together to buy a larger asset. We're specifically in like multifamily. We try to take C class and turn it into B class through construction and property management. You know, a lot of the properties that we like a couple of years ago, we bought properties that still had paper leases. And I'm sure, all of you are listening, and you're like what? <laughs> but they do exist out there, right? And so there's. There's ways to improve technology and improve the, the property. And when you add value to something, you significantly increase the value. So, but essentially every asset that we purchased with syndication is its own LLC. We raise funds for it. Now so, the funds you're
1: raising for it, is it typically the down payment and all the construction has to go there? Or is it just the down payment and you fund the construction from the rents? Like what, what, is, what's the normal, what's your, what's your normal business model?
3: Yeah. So we definitely have a capital budget. So we determine that before we, you know, kind of during the due diligence period of a contract, we'll determine, okay, what actually needs to be done? Like, do the roofs need to be done Do the siding, you know, how many units do we need to turn in order to fund the rest of like the unit turns with the rents? So we'll put together that budget and we will raise that money. Do you so find a property you know,
1: first or do you raise the money first?
3: We find the property first. So typically with commercial purchases, it's usually like a 60 to 90 day purchase. And then we'll write in two 30 day extensions and we will have like some escrow money go hard. So, you know, we're probably paying $50,000 for each 30 day extension.
1: Okay. Now, Um, as you do this and you become more and more successful with each purchase, my guess is you're starting to have more and more people want to give you money and, and so all of a sudden, now the deal becomes the issue, not the money. Where in the very beginning, you ha- you were probably able to find the deal and then the money became what was the challenge. At what point does that flip?
3: You know, that's, that's kind of a tough question. I think with any business, there's always like a bottleneck, right? So if you're like trying to grow, it's at one point, it's the deals. At the next point, it's the money. And then like, as you get bigger and bigger, it kind of goes back and forth is what I would say. We definitely have repeat investors. We started doing syndication like in 2020 and we've got, I mean, currently we've got our first two up for sale, which is awesome. The first one, our investors are looking at making a 30 to 40% per year return on their wow, money. Wow. That's pretty solid. And then, uh, the second one, they're kind of looking at like a 17 to 20% per year on their money. So Those were smaller. And when we first started out, we actually picked a deal that we could have just bought ourselves. So we were kind of the backstop of like, oh, if we can't raise the money, we can't do it. And what we found was, is that raising the money was actually not that hard. And that was when we were like, oh, okay, let's, let's keep going. And so we The first one, we started out with a nine unit and then we went to a 12 unit and then a 20 unit and then a 25 unit and then a 30 unit. And then recently we just bought a 47 unit. Nice. uh, For about 10.5 million and we raised $5 million for it. So
1: when you look at these properties, are you already looking at like what the exit strategy is? So, like, hey, you're going to invest this money in this deal. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. And in three years, five, six, seven, whatever years, we're going to go ahead and sell. Is that. Is that something that's pretty standard? I mean, so
3: when we, when we look at a property, we've got, you know, you want to compare apples to apples, right? So we've got a pro forma that we fill out for every property.
1: So tell everybody what a pro forma is, if you don't mind.
3: Pro forma is
0: essentially
3: what what you think the property's going to do, right? All the costs, all the budgets, adding up like what the rents are going to be and forecasting out, like how is this asset going to perform? And so there's some big assumptions in there. You know, if you're familiar with commercial real estate, like a lot of brokers look at cap rate. So, you know, in the past year, we've seen interest rates just skyrocket. So cap rates in turn have like gone up. And when a cap rate goes up, the asset value goes down. So we try to always in our pro forma be very conservative. So we we usually budget rental increases at like 3%, you know, costs increase at 2%. And then we always have, like if we buy at a cap rate, we always add a point to that cap rate. So like in this case right now in the Portland market, like cap rates a year ago were about four and a half, maybe five, and now they're looking at like five and a half, six. So we've kind of underwritten like some leniency in there, some, some fluff so that, you know, when we're looking at a deal, we know that we're going to make money. We're not going to lose. I mean, the last thing you want to do is lose investors' money. So,
1: but are uh, you looking at like, how long are you are going to hold this thing? Like, it's not open-ended, right? Like you say, this is a five-year deal and you need your money back. Like, or are you like, like thinking like, I'm going to refinance at this and we're going to hold this long-term. Like what, what is, what is your main strategy? It seems like it's a, it's a buy rehab, get rents up, increase NOI and, and sell. But is that, is that right? Or is, or is that, is, is there other strategies depending on the asset that you're buying?
3: Yeah, I mean it depends on the deal. The the latest one that we did, we we bought with a Freddie Mac loan and like the plan is to refinance it in 2 years and then sell it in 7. So typically the, you know, there's a 5-year term on the second loan that we're going to get. So, but I mean it's just like kind of what makes sense for the asset. Like we try to model all of our deals at a 5-year hold and sell and that way our investors when they're looking at our documents can like compare apples to apples. So they're not seeing like a ton of different stuff. But like we're looking to maximize the the profit. Like honestly as the you know person that manages the asset, we get paid on performance. The larger the profit that we can make for the investors, the larger profit that goes in our pocket. So we are very much incentivized to you know keep keep the time period down as small as possible and keep the the Increase in the property value and the profit as high as possible.
1: Do you typically do distributions, and if so, is it monthly, quarterly, yearly, and then how you know, does that typically work?
3: Yeah, so we typically do quarterly distributions. You know, in in the deals, there's there's a waterfall, and that goes with like how the syndicator or you know us we we get paid. And typically, we do like a seven percent preferred return, so we'll pay investors seven percent. Before we take any fees. And so like as an investor, they're looking, they're like, oh, okay, I'm getting 7% before these guys even get paid. Like I'm at least going to get that. And and then like we have a hurdle. So we, a lot of private placements is what these are called. They're regulated under the SEC. And we have, there's an exemption that we use. It's called 506B that says that we're not having investors invest that maybe not aren't accredited, but they're definitely known to us. So there's a couple of exemptions with the SEC that allows syndicators to, to do these sort of deals. But yeah, so we do quarterly distributions. We're paying that that 7%. Usually it starts day one. We have, I actually invested with another guy and he does monthly and I'm like, it's pretty cool. It's a lot of work. Kind of like property management clients. It's like, you know, all right, I'm getting a check in the bank every month. And then like, it kind of reminds them. So we've, we've we're kind of toying with the idea of moving to monthly. You know with technology the way it is and ach payments like it's super easy to like press that button whereas you know 5 10 15 years ago they're cutting checks and sending checks and it's a, maybe a bigger lift so we are toying with that idea haven't haven't done it yet but it's it's something on, possible on
1: a on a typical syndication when you guys get investors how much are they getting a, a ownership are they I like I'll give you an example like when I was when I was buying apartment complexes here in Houston I'd go get money and I would give basically 80% of the deal. And I, I as the lead partner would put no money in, but I put the sweat equity in and I'd get 20% of the deal. Is that something, is it, what's, is it similar like that in syndications or or do, like, do you guys own a percentage of the deal without putting money in for for finding and putting it all together? Like, how does that work?
3: I mean, we invest in all of our deals. So we have some portion, typically the way a syndication's set up. It's, it's very similar to probably what you did, but, there's two, two parts. There's the general partner and then the limited partner. And so the general partner is like the manager, which is like us as a syndicator. And then the limited partner is investors, which we call LPs. There's two different class shares in the LLC and my brother and I own, you know, all of the GP shares. And then the LP or the investor shares is just split equally to the amount of money that we raise. So if we're raising a million dollars and an investor puts in $100,000, then they've got 10% equity. And it's a straight split that way. Again, we're only paid off the profits. So typically we have a GP split after a hurdle. So like I said before, there's that preferred return. So any any return after the preferred return, we're going to, as the syndicator, take 20% off. And then if we hit the IRR hurdle, then we actually bump it up to
1: 50%. And then how does it work on the sale? Same same way?
3: Yeah, that's a, it's, it's the that's, exact same way. So all, all way. the returns and distributions are added up collectively and to give like an overall return. So, you know, first we return the investor's initial capital back and then we start looking at the profits and then we say, okay, 7%. Was this much over this time, and then you know? Then after that, we take twenty percent of the money, and then once we the investor makes a certain hurdle, you know, our hurdle is ranging somewhere between fifteen and twenty percent per year or IRR. Internal rate of return is IRR, and that is a calculation that's time bound. So that's why you know, it's a way to like kind of compare to the stock market is yeah. what I want to say. Okay. it's like, you know, all the stocks are like, oh, that made eight, 10% per year. You know, and with real estate deals, it's it's a little bit tough to say, oh, I made 100% on my money in five years. Well, that's more like a 15, 16% return per year. Got it. So an IRR kind of allows you to compare apples to apples a little bit better.
1: So if I'm listening to this and I'm like, man, I want to invest in a syndicate. I don't want to start one, but I might want to invest in one. What are some of the things that you should be looking for if you're going to invest in somebody who has a syndication?
3: Oh boy. Uh, Educate yourself. Know who you're investing with. Brian Burke runs Praxis Capital. They're like one of the really big players. He wrote a book. It's called The Hands-Off Investor. And that book goes through... I mean, like, it's literally like two or 300 pages of like how to vet a sponsor, how to look at deals. So if you are interested, I would definitely say educate yourself. There's a lot of people out there that are just doing capital raising. So they're raising capital and then putting themselves kind of in with another GP. So like if we had a capital raiser, they could bring us a million dollars on a, you know, five million dollar deal and we cut them a piece of the, the GP or something like that. They have to play an active role according to rules and whatnot, but you kind of create some task for them to do, to be a part of that general partnership. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there saying that they're syndicators, but they're only raising money and then putting it with someone else. And there's a newer website out there. uh, Some guys I met at a conference, it's called Tribe Best, where they will... It's, it's like you say tribe, like, capital vest? like tribe, so you kind of, put, yeah, tribe, T-R-I-B-E-V-E-S-T. Got it. Okay. And so like as a property manager, say you've got 20, 30 investors and you want to raise $500,000 and put it with a deal, you would sign them all up on tribe vest and then take that 500K check to a sponsor and say, Hey, cut me some better rates because I'm bringing you a lot of money at the same time. And then you can make some money off the arbitrage. You know, if they pay an eight percent preferred return and you pay your investors a seven percent, then there's there's some ways to make some money that way too. If someone's interested in raising money for another sponsor,
1: now if I'm listening to this as a property manager, I'm like, man, I got all these investors. They're always asking me, you know, for deals. And there's some there there's some stuff I can do here. I think I got I think I got something I can do. I can you know uh, get some money or whatever. What are some of the options? Like syndication is one, but I mean, you're talking about SEC and you're talking about attorneys and all that stuff. It seems like a lot of work. Is there, is like that the only way or is there other ways that you can think of where we just get a bunch of money and go buy some houses together? Or is the syndication really the, the way to,
3: to do this? Yeah. I mean, it just depends on how many investors you want to get together. Like if you're getting two, three guys together. Like just forming an LLC is like the best way. But if you're looking at getting like 30, 40 people, you know, it, it, having a syndication model, I think is probably the better bet. It just, with so many people, it, uh, it makes it tough. So I mean, raising $5 million, like I don't, we, you know, we probably had 30 or 40 different people in that deal. Got uh, it. So it's just like, how big do you want to go and what do you want to do? And, you know, more so I would say like, find out what you want to do and then figure out how to get there.
1: Now you speak a lot about this. You know, I've, I've seen you speak, I think twice now on syndications. Yeah. If somebody's listening to this though and they're like, man, I want to either a, I want to, I want to get into some syndications with, with you or B, I'd like to start my own deal. And I want you, I want AJ, I want you to help me out. Where do they go? Where, where, where do they go to, to, to get help from, from you?
3: My information's everywhere. So just (laughs) hit me up, happy to help as, as much as I can. You know, if you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Westside investors network is our podcast. You know, if, if you're looking for a way to, you know, make money in syndication or raising money educating yourself is like the do you
1: do one. you are you uh maybe i'm maybe i'm misinformed but i thought you had a course that you teach are you not teaching yeah. a course okay you are yeah
3: we okay. we we have a coaching program and the the program takes you know real estate professionals that want to get to the next level and what's the website uh, for that it's just syndication.com and then under the coaching program UptownSyndication.com, Coach Palmer. Okay. Yeah, Uh, and we've we've had a few people go through it, and you know they're working on still getting their first deal. So we've we've kind of, yeah. But it's 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 been. You don't have
1: to buy apartment complex with it, right? You can go buy a package of houses. Yeah,
3: syndication is the method. So you can do. There's guys that are doing. You know, I went to a conference. This was the best ever conference by Joe Fairless. And oh yeah, I know him. Industrial complexes. There's people doing self-storage. There's people doing mobile homes. There's, this, there's these guys. They're called. It's like Happy Happy Camper, and they're buying like lake, parks? like lake retreat places. And so it's like a bunch of campsites, and then they're like renting out these campsites, like improving the technology at those places. Like you know, it's probably some it's a lot of
1: mom and pop industries, a lot of mom and pops state.
3: that have done it for forty years and they're looking to retire. And these guys are like hey we can put in you know they have like paddleboard rentals and they just put up a cage and like people put their credit card in and they're like rent out the paddleboards like you know all these like new ways to do stuff and right. you know the old mom and pops are like well this business is run fine for 40 years like you know they're, they're not looking to make changes and make improvements so it's i i think you know, with, with any asset, like trying to make some improvements and add value is, is really how you can leverage making a, a lot more money.
1: Is there any question I didn't ask that I should have asked about syndications or or investing that you can think of?
3: Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's uh it's a great tool, you know. Bigger pockets talks about like, you know, getting tools in your tool belt, you know. It's, Are it's you important. surprised
1: as much as I am about how many property management company owners don't own real estate?
3: Oh, I'm I'm absolutely surprised. Like yeah. using your own services is it's eye opening because like you're on the other side now and you're like, oh man, this sucks, and like you <laughs> empathize with the owners a lot with more with the investors, yeah. yeah. But like on the on the flip side, like the prop, I mean. I know I'm talking to a bunch of property managers here, but wealth is created through the assets. It's not created through the property management company. Uh, and it's great to run a great property management company, but if you're really looking to create wealth and make a difference, owning the property and participating in that upside yeah. is absolutely incredible. You know it's funny, man? Every- when, when What's I,
1: What was funny is when I owned Empire and I started, I actually bought a whole, I owned a bunch of real estate before I started yeah. Empire and then I ran Empire and running a property management firm, especially in the very beginning, it's chaos, man. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like, you're just trying to just keep yourself above water. You know, I went seven years before I started, before I bought another piece of property. You know, so I guess what I'm trying to tell you is don't do what I did. Like there was so many deals that came across my desk that I'm like, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy. Yeah. It's, you know, don't use that as an excuse because- as property managers, we get we probably get some of the best deals across our desk from oh absolutely people like who the just property
3: type. manager is the first one to look at them right, right. You and, know, you the like, and you have the history and you have the history of the property help like you you can provide that solution and it can be a win win deal for everyone yeah. yeah so I'm gonna pivot uh, oh, here yeah, I got a question for you did you make yeah. money on those houses you purchased.
1: I still own a bunch of them. So, yeah. yeah. So since 2020, all my houses have increased in value. Where in Houston, that doesn't happen very often. We're yeah. we're, we're pretty flat for the most part. But I I'll, I'll just give you a, I just did a deal in 2020. I bought four houses from an investor out in California. He owned four houses in Houston, didn't want them anymore, and I bought them for like 550, and the day I got them appraised, the day I bought them, they got appraised for 650. Today they're probably worth over eight fifty, all those houses. So, so yeah, it's it's wealth building. Now, ask me now. AJ asked me, do they cash flow for you? The answer is (laughs) no, they don't freaking cash flow. There's always something going on. I got to pay the management firm, but they're all worth. That's
3: you know when you go to sell, that's going to be a a significant cash flow or increase. Correct, because not just the
1: appreciation, but the the principal pay down. Yeah. Right. They've been, yeah. they've been
3: rented for, for the last, you know, three, well, and four you get years. to defer some taxes right now too, mm-hmm. because of all the depreciation that goes along with it. Like, yep. you know, the four it's, it's those four ways to make money in real estate is, you know, tax depreciation, cash flow, appreciation, and then.
1: Uh, depreciation yeah. and principal pay down. I think there's another, there's a fifth way everybody forgets about the principal pay down, but at the end of the day, the, these renters are paying your principal and interest for you. It's, yeah. I call it forced savings.
3: That's what we say too. It's a forced savings account.
1: Yeah, it's a forced savings account. So right, I'm going to flip the sc- script here a little bit because you yeah. are an RVP. You've been an RVP for a long time now. If I think this is—is is this your third term or second?
3: This is my fourth year. Fourth uh, year.
1: So the end of second term because it's the two-year uh, terms.
3: Well, I had I started out as a one-year term in the Atlantic region, and then That's I a two-year right. term in the Pacific. Oh, okay, region. I'm and now finishing up. A one-year term in the Pacific, and this is, be my last year because there's only four years that you can be RVP. Interesting. Okay, did
1: not know that. So, yeah. all right. So, tell me. I always like to ask people, especially that are on the the national board, but, and you and I serve together, so that's why I know you're doing yeah. it for quite some time. I think my last year was your first year. So, but tell me, what's your why? Why did you give back? Because uh, on the board, you don't get many perks, and you have to, as an RVP got to travel a lot and you have to, and uh, you got to work. So what, what was your, why do you give, why do you continuously give back to NARPM?
3: There, There's a lot of reasons, you know, Narpm has helped when we found Narpm back in like 2014, 2015, like it was incredible for our property management business, like that wealth of knowledge and those connections and, and networking and you know, honestly, I've developed like lifelong relationships through serving. You just get to be closer to a lot of different people and all over the nation with a bunch of different perspectives. And yeah, it might be a little self-serving, but I, I, I feel that I've like had a lot of development and growth and personal skills. Like the being on the national board teaches you leadership, mm-hmm. teaches you how to delegate better. You have to manage your time better. Like there's a lot of, a lot of benefit to it. And honestly, like I like helping people out, you know, we've, we've been super successful and there's no reason that everyone can't be super successful.
1: Amen to that brother. All right, listen, we're going to take a quick break and then the lightning round. That's our sound effects for NARPA, by the way, Okay, I don't have sound effects. That's it. So we'll be right back. And then we're going to put AJ through the lightning round. We'll be right back. Everybody.
3: Create the best movement experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, We create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com.
2: Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help vpm is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate we have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you including assistance for accounting leasing maintenance coordination rent collections and much more with vpm you can post jobs screen candidates hire and pay your virtual assistants all from within our state-of-the-art platform vpm is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part, VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program. Starting at just $5 per door, you can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations, like bedbugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at PestShare.com forward slash property managers.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody, and we got AJ Shepard on the hot seat or in the lightning round. AJ, are you ready?
3: All right, try not to stump me.
1: Okay, Nah, these are simple. What PM software do you use?
3: We use Appfolio.
1: Appfolio. What is your current organizational structure
3: for your property manager business? We are departmental. Departmental.
1: Structure. Just curious, how many units are you guys managing? Uh, we're about a thousand units. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. Departmental. Do you use virtual assistants?
3: We have a virtual assistants in in mass. I think we have about 12 or 13 that work for us. Uh, Not all in the property management business. Like I have one dedicated to syndication. Both my brother and I have just personal assistants that kind of help us out with anything and everything.
1: What is one piece of advice you'd give someone just starting out in the PM business?
3: Honestly, hire employees and figure out how to delegate quicker and get your time back. I love it.
1: Does pineapple belong on pizza?
3: Absolutely. It's so sweet and good. And then salty against the pizza. Yeah. And we were friends. (laughs) What was your first job? My first job? Mm -hmm. My first job probably in college. Well, I actually, it was in high school. I was a phone person that called people to get surveys for uh ORC, Opinion Research Corporation. Interesting. Um, All right. Oh. So, yeah, th- that was probably, like, my first real job. I also, like, caddied for golf in a tournament, like, when I was, like, 10 or 11. But that was only for, like, a week every year. But it was super fun. I'm sure it was.
1: What is What book are you currently reading or what is one that's impacted your business or life?
3: I'm currently reading, I think it's Leadership by... I, I don't know the author, Um, but uh, I am still working my way through it. It's a slog. It's like 11 hours on audiobook. A book that, I mean, we still use it. Never lose a customer again. Like if you haven't that, like, great for, you know, setting up processes and systems and labeling stuff and actually talking about stuff and getting more human touches has been really good. Yeah, I'm going to go with those. Which Disney part. character? What?
1: Do you most associate with
3: donald duck
1: i <laughs> love it what is one challenge you're currently facing in your business
3: i mean i think this is a challenge that like doesn't ever go away but it's people we are always constantly hiring you know and also just finding those people and currently wages are going up so there's a lot of movement around and you know when people go some other place we've got to backfill the position and so yeah just finding the right people
1: last one what do you prefer dogs or cats
3: dogs dog guy
1: all right man you're officially out of the lightning round
3: Ooh, I made it it's all
1: right. right if someone wants to get in touch with you how did what's the best way to get in touch with you
3: yeah my information is all over LinkedIn is great Westside investors network is great uptown syndication any any one of those if you want just you can email me, AJ at uptownpm.com. Yeah. And if to... you want
1: to join NARPM, please go to NARPM Narpum.org. If you're not if you're not a member, why not go to join or call them at 800 782 3452 And if you want to get your time back and your life back, like AJ says, hire some remote team members, go to VPM and select from over now twenty eight thousand profiles looking to work in the property management and housing industry. AJ, thanks so much for being here today, buddy. We'll see you next time.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPUM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at NARPUM.org.